I fought a good fight. I finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. Basketball players, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, but I'm glad, I'm glad we do a little bit more than that. Eventually, every ball would go flat. But that doesn't mean that your life will flatline. What will you do when the game is over? Hello and welcome to episode 5-0 of The Endless Hustle. Thank you for making it this far. We have plenty more in the tank. I am your host, Bro Bible's Matt Cohan, and I am joined today, as always, by my main man, Arthur Cade. Matt, we're celebrating the big 5-0 today. We're officially 50. Did you get me a cake or anything? Just any, you know, gift, present? Is it in the mail? No, Matt, I sent you some Viagra because at 50, you may need some of that. Actually, we should now contact them. Now that we're the big 5-0, maybe we reach out to Viagra for a sponsorship. What do you think? Seems like a seamless fit. You know, we keep going to the top. We keep rising. That's, we, that's the, it's a seamless fit there already. No, but in all seriousness, we're 50. That's pretty crazy. We started this thing about five months ago. We're 50 episodes in. We've had some of the biggest names on the planet, two of them today. Pretty exciting stuff. Our two guests today, we'll start with Joe Coy, one of the funniest guys in the business, a guy who I've been friendly with for a very long time. Absolutely love Joe Coy. We have such a great time with him every time we chat. And I was so happy that you could be exposed to the Joe Coy experience. What'd you think, Matt? The Joe Coy experience, and this is what I love about the guests, and we've been graced with some great guests on this podcast, but the thing about Joe Coy is like he gave the same energy to us than he would give to a Howard Stern, you know, like this is just the way he is, and he's going to come on this show, and he's going to make the best out of his time on it and our time on it. He was telling us incredible stories, taking us all the way back to the impetus of his comedy career and where his perspective is and how he's shifting from being your traditional stand-up comedian to going into the film world, and he did it all with such a endearing charismatic energy um and you you said it before you're like wait till he comes on you're gonna be blown away and i rarely believe anything you say already but you know it's you really pulled out there because he was fucking amazing yeah and he's got a great new book out called mixed plate detailing his life adventures i'm sure it'll eventually be a biopic which joe we are already throwing in our producer hats we want to ep it with you especially now that you're connected to steven spielberg i mean Joe's making a movie with Steven Spielberg, and we talked all about that. You know, in, in a time, Matt, where representation is so important, Joe is a perfect example of a guy who is doing great work and a voice for so many people that are looking at him today and saying, I can make it too in the Asian American community. Joe, you are the man. Had an absolute blast during this hour. So guys, here's Joe Coy. All right. Today, we welcome on The Endless Hustle, one of the biggest names in comedy. He's got a new autobiography called Mixed Plate. And when he finds the time, he's writing a movie for Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Mr. Joe Coy, thank you for making the time. Oh, uh, thank you. How crazy is that? I, it, it, it's still, I pinch myself every time when I, I say it that, you know, that I'm doing something with DreamWorks. And it, this is Spielberg that's... Uh, at the forefront of this thing. It's so crazy. I can't believe he took your call, Joe. Can't uh, believe it. It's, you want to hear something even crazier? I didn't even call him. That's the crazy thing. He brought us in himself. You know, he brought 
me in to, to DreamWorks and uh, they asked us what we wanted to pitch and, and we pitched it and they took it. it it's, it's crazy. That was off, off your special, right? Yeah, coming, coming in, in hot. hot. Yeah. yeah. And so, so he just, it just took a meeting? Yeah, we took a general. I thought it was a general. Me and my manager just thought it was going to be a general. Just walk in and do the same old, you know, how they do it every February. January, February, it's always like generals. You know what I mean? You go in and you talk and you sell yourself. And uh, this wasn't that. Uh, we walked in and it was kind of like, hey, man, we want to work with you. What do you got? And it, it's, been, it's been nine months since that meeting and we're already in production. Like, it's, it, I keep pinching myself. How transferable is that skill from stand-up to a full-blown movie where you have to consider, like, budget, B-stories, and obviously the pressure of Spielberg? You know what's even crazier is uh, the back end of this production, right? Like, the, 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 the amount of people behind the camera, I had no idea it was this intense. Like, this is intense. Like, every day we're doing casting calls, we're doing production meeting calls, we're doing all these things, and I was just like, I didn't know this really happened. You know, I saw the credits roll at the end of the movie, but I was like, eh, but they didn't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> what? what was that? Really? They need a credit? Yeah, they need a credit. Those people are amazing. Every single one of those people that you see at the end of that movie, they're amazing. And, uh, and I'm seeing it first. In, you know, this is my first time ever on something this big. So, Joe, we've known each other for years. And to see yes. the way your career has just escalated, I feel like every single time I see you, you've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And we actually had Jeremy Piven on the show and he had this great bite for us where he said he won the Fresh Face of the Year Award at 37 and he's like this 30 year overnight success. I feel yeah. like you kind of have that story. Like when did you start feeling like, shit, this may actually be happening for me? I, you know, it's crazy. That's so funny Jeremy said that because that's right around the same age as me. Like there were times where I wanted to quit. Like just like, why am I? why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I felt like my numbers were amazing. Like I was crushing on the road. I was breaking records. And for some reason, it just wasn't enough, you know? And then I, I was seeing my peers just explode. And, and I, a lot of peers, by the way, I, I, you know, I could name five right off the top of my head. And you guys would be like, no shit. But it was just like seeing them just explode the way they did. And uh, I, I would never get jealous or mad of it. You know, I just, I, I appreciated their success you know, be in the same, you know, sitting right next to Chelsea when Chelsea was telling me the idea of Chelsea lately and her wanting me to be on it and, and then exploding the way it did for her. And then of course, seeing Kevin, her, him and I on the, on a tour together. And then all of a sudden like that, it was just, you know, he's out and out, out, out of the universe. He's not even in this world. He's, he's somewhere else. And, you know, and then my, one of my dearest friends, Tiffany Haddish, just, you know, we came up eating street dogs together, you know what I mean, for a buck. And, and now look, you know, she's she's the biggest thing in Hollywood. So, oh, Gabe, Gabriel, like these are these were my peers that I'm, I'm working with, you know, every night, basically. And then seeing them blow up uh, really motivated me. And there was times where I wanted to just quit. So I, I agree with Jeremy Piven, man. Like mine was right around 40, you know, 37, 40 as well. And uh and it was very, very uh, discouraging. There were times where I was like, I, shit, maybe I need to get a manager job at a, at a sports store. <laughs> I don't have insurance, man. <laughs> Never mind dental. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, it's bad enough I'm paying off my teeth. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my first one was uh, when, I, when I got The Tonight Show and I, 
I felt like that's when I, I could quit my job. And, uh, and then my second one would have to be when I sold my special to Netflix. That's when it was over with. It was completely over with. It was, that's when it just took off into the universe. Let's back up even further. You know, yeah. most people drop out like of college to like start Facebook or Apple. You decided to, you know, do stand up. Yeah. You know, which is ballsy for someone so young. I know your mom was a big fan of yours from the get go, but how did your social circle feel about it? We're like, this guy's delusional. Or yeah. Like, you know, I also, that's a great question, man. That's never been asked before. Um, because you got to remember, I started in 1989, right? So, Comedy isn't what it is now, you know. Comedy, stand-up comedy, I should say. Stand-up comedy was more like a a late, like a like like a date that uh, a married couples go on. You know what I mean? It's not quite the bar, and it's not it's not a nightclub, but it's still going out. <laughs> we get to laugh and drink. That's what that's what a comedy club was back then. It wasn't like this big thing that it is now. You know, now it's so diverse, and now there's the the age range is you know multi-generational you know what I mean I got I got fans that are 14 all the way up to in their 60s so it's like it's completely different I remember going to see Chris Rock uh at the Harris Comedy Club in, in Vegas and no one was no one was going it was just dead I, I remember I had to get so one of my co-workers to come with me and convince him that this is going to be the best show you've ever seen and he was like I don't know stand up I, what is that like it's the times have changed, man. And, and that's why when I said I wanted to be a comic to my friends, they would just make fun of me. Like, oh, that, that's, that's, uh, that's going to be a bad decision, man. Stay at Foot Locker, hey, Joe. Hey, Stay at Foot Locker. Hey, hey, Joe, you're funny with us here. Nowhere else. So it was very discouraging, man. Like they, they, and I lost all of them. I don't, I don't talk to any of them actually anymore. And and that's fine. You know, that's what life is, right? We all grow and uh, everything has a, a shelf life, right? So <laughs> I guess uh, my old friends expired and I had to surround myself with people that were more encouraging and, and wanted to look out for me. So, and that was my peers The you know, I, I found a, a group of cats that were in the, you know, uh, trying to do the same thing I was in, in the stand-up game. And that, that's where my family started. One of the things before you came on, I was telling Matt Joe is Joe's always on. I'm like, <laughs> he's on stage, he's on. But when you meet him in real life, he's always on. And there's so many comedians, and I know you probably have experienced this times 10, where you meet them in real life and they just fucking suck. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> and you're just like, man, this is so disappointing. Yeah. You don't have to name who it is. But what no. was like your worst experience where you met potentially like one of your idols or someone you really were excited to meet and you were like, this person just sucks. Yeah, I met a couple. I don't like to say names, man. I, I don't like to put that energy out there. Mm -hmm. But uh, there was one that I was like, man, I couldn't. I, I remember, you know, back in the day, you know, Comedy Central was king. You remember there was a show that I, I loved watching all the time. I couldn't miss it. And then I finally got to work with this person. And I, and I just remember, fuck this show. <laughs> I will never watch this show again. I won't tell anybody about this show. And you know what's cool about that moment, man, is it taught me to, just how important you are uh, when you represent yourself, right? I, I think uh, you, you start to get numb when you start to do it for so long and you forget that your fans are your, 
your, the reason why you are who you are, right? So uh, I think that person just forgot, just forgot how important I was to his career because I was the biggest cheerleader, man. And that's gone now. So I, I never want to lose that. Like if a fan walks up to me, man, we're taking pictures. I'm talking to him. I go above and beyond, man, because uh, I, I know where I used to be. And I, I, I don't want to sell shoes again. I don't. I hate it. It sucks. It sucks. I have lower back pain because of Nord Nordstrom Rack. Fuck you, Nordstrom Rack. Fuck you. Another, I'll tell you, another person who was just like that, I remember the first time I interviewed her for Girls Trip was Tiff Haddish. And oh. I know how tight you guys are and you had mentioned it. You yes. come up to Tiff today. She's the same person. She's 100%. still the coolest chick on the planet. Yep. 100%. Actually, she's more humble now. She's more giving, more loving now because now she's in a position of power. And, uh, and, and, and she's got money now. And she's staying true to her word. Like, I remember back in the day, she would just talk about how she's going to do this and do that, and give that and give this. And now she's got that opportunity where she can and she does it like she's living up to it. And she's a perfect example of just, man, just a perfect human being, man. I love that woman so much. I really do. I, I, I love her more now than I did back then. I loved her then, but something about her now, man, she's, she's uh, that watch where she goes after this. It's, it's, it's going to be amazing. I've heard some of the things, you know, she's told me what she's about to do and, and I know it's going to happen. So get ready. I mean, she literally just won a Grammy for a comedy album. I mean, she, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Did it's you see so how crazy. she won it? She won it like while they were taping kids say the darndest thing. It was yeah. most wholesome content I've seen probably this year. Like I know she's so play. dope. Yeah. I, I love it, man. That's what, that, that's what I love about her. You see how passionate she was and just how emotionally attached she was to that to winning it like like it was something that she's been dreaming about like you you don't understand this i think i think tiffany literally used to do acceptance speeches by herself you know like that's that's how she is like she's a dreamer and all of these dreams are coming true and then when those come true she starts other dreams and i'm telling you man she's a perfect example of how you should take life on man like that's that's a perfect example if you're not winning that you need to surround yourself with winners, you know? So, uh, yeah, she's, she's a great person to have around. And, and I love, I, I love that. She's, uh, one of my dearest friends. Joe, you mentioned that you kind of came up in a different era of comedy. Now you've been able to successfully transition to kind of different media landscapes. Do you ever get nostalgic about the simpler times when there wasn't such a high demand for like access intricacies of your life? Yeah, you know what's crazy, man, is I'm from the Kinko generation. And uh, these kids don't even know what Kinko is. They don't know what a physical flyer is. And uh, I remember watching some kind of like rockumentary, like on VH1. And I think it was, I think it was Aerosmith. And, uh, and I think Steve Tyler, I, I, may, I, I might be wrong, but it's, it's one of those bands. And, and they, they made Xerox copies of their flyer of, uh, of where they were performing. And they said they would literally just put it on cars everywhere. They would just put it on the windshields of cars, right? This is Aerosmith. I'm like, what the fuck, right? You don't see that. You don't see that. You only know who they are now, but you don't see what they did before. And, and I remember watching that going, oh, I got to go to Kinko's. And I literally uh, started making flyers. Uh, every show that I did, I would go to the mall parking lots and put them on every single car. I would hire people like my, you know, I would get people to go and put them on doors at apartment complexes and 
and make flyers. It was all, it was like this thing that uh, of mine, like, like to this day, if you ask a comic that used to work with me coming up, the first thing they'll say to you is, oh yeah, Joe Coy, he would run out front and hand out his flyers. And <laughs> that all came from that, that interview. And it, and it stuck with me so much. I did the, uh, the forum uh, in LA. I sold it out twice. I did two shows at the forum. 20, what, 26,000 tickets sold, right? I made flyers and had them hand them out. Like, it's just, like, I, I can't explain it. It's just, that's that, that, in my mind, I think that is the most important thing you do. Like, you know, my son doesn't even know what a flyer is. My, my son's like, dude, just make a, make a digital flyer and press send. And it's like, I don't know. I just, to me, there's something about that flyer, like that tangible flyer that you can hand to somebody, someone can take it home. Like I still have things that I took home from a concert. You know what I mean? So uh, when it comes to simpler times, I love that, the, the flyer. I miss the flyer. I miss a CD case. I, I, miss, I miss opening up the CD and, and reading the lyrics for every song and who produced each, each song and the special thanks on the inside of a, a, a DVD sleeve. So those are the things I miss from my generation. I want to talk to you about your Filipino heritage because yes. anytime you interview somebody who has some type of Filipino connection, yeah, the way that country embraces one of their own is unlike anything I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you get that reception from the home team? Oh yeah, and I and I love that responsibility, uh, and I say responsibility because I feel like the representation has never been here. I I, I feel like I'm the the one that 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 got us into Netflix, you know, and. You know, when I did In His Elements, the reason why I did In His Elements, man, is because to get live from Seattle on, onto Netflix, literally they said no to me thousands of times. And I had to shoot it myself. I had to pay for it myself. I had to edit it myself. And I had to go back in and sell something that they already said no to. That's how I got my Netflix special. That's how I was able to get Filipino representation on that, on that platform. And I know like telling people that, that aren't Filipino, that story, it's hard for you to relate, but if you could just understand how hard it is for someone like myself that wants to be in the entertainment world with absolutely no one that I can actually identify with or anyone that can actually motivate me, it's hard, man. It's hard to get to pull inspiration. I remember when I saw Rob Schneider on uh, Deuces Bigelow and I was sitting in the theater with my date and there was one word, all he said was one word. And that's when I found out that Rob Schneider was Filipino. He said raspberry babinka. And when he said babinka, which is a Filipino dessert, I went fucking apeshit in the movie theater. And to everyone else, it's just a word. But to me, it was, it was my culture. It was my mom. It, it was my family. It, it, it was Easter Sunday uh, dessert. Like it was everything. And for that to be on the big screen uh, with one of the biggest actors uh, that, that was in Hollywood at that time, like it meant everything. And that was just one word. So I can only imagine what it's like for my special to be out there where I'm actually giving Filipinos a voice and, and letting people actually hear our accent or hear little words or show my food, you know, that, that I did in, in his elements where you got to see some of our dishes and see my aunt and my sister cook it and see some of the things that you, uh, if you visit the Philippines, some of the beautiful monuments and seeing that Filipinos speak English that I was able to do stand-up in English in that country. Like I'm friends with Tommy Lee, right? The, the drummer from, you know who Tommy Lee is. And, and, and he called me, he was like, yo man, great special. He goes, he goes, I had no idea Filipinos spoke English. And this is Motley Crue. 
I go, did you guys ever play in the Philippines? He goes, no, we never played. What the fuck? You played every other country but the Philippines? Because he thought they didn't speak English. He had no idea that they not only speak English, but they probably sound just like Vince Neil. <laughs> I mean, Arnel Pineda sounds exactly like Steve Perry. And he's Filipino from Journey. It's like, and that's like the little, like the little things that we don't know. I'm glad I was able to like share that and let people know, you know, about my culture and the home team, like you said, is uh, very proud of that. And, and I am too, man. So, and that's what this movie is all about. It's going to represent us and we're going to do it in a funny way. You're going to see it as, as if you're just living in San Francisco, man. These are just people. <laughs> These are Filipinos that you know. So I don't even know how to say it, man. Like, you know, when I talk about my mom, I want people to relate to her as a mom and not just as, oh, that's what Filipinos do. Like, I love it when people call me, uh, when people DM me and they're like, hey, my mom does the same shit. That makes me happy. So there you go. Another long-winded answer. Sorry. Dude, I, I love your answers. The one thing I, my mind is blown is Rob Schneider is Filipino? I exactly. Thought was, I thought he was as Jewish as Jewish gets. I can't believe it. Can you believe that? And and that's the importance of, uh, see, I can never explain it to people that aren't, you know, Filipino and what that meant to me. You know what I mean? A fan of comedy and a fan of movies and, but having a struggle with identity, you know, my mom and dad were divorced. My dad's white. He's living in another state. I'm being raised by this Filipino woman. I'm surrounded by Filipinos. I'm consuming this behavior and, and this culture and, and it's my identity. But yet I don't see it represented anywhere. It's kind of discouraging, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then to hear one word like Babinka, like I can't explain to you what that meant to me, but it meant everything. That, that one word was almost like Rob was like, hey man, you, you can make it in Hollywood. Come on, let's go. I got in here, you can get in here. That's what that one word meant to me. And you know, I, I, you know now me and Rob are like, we're like this now, you know what I mean? We text all the time, we, we, we hang out all the time. And, and I remember for years, it bothered me, man, because I, I don't know when that movie came out, but if you want to find out, it was years ago, right? And um, it bothered me because he said raspberry babinka. And if you're Filipino, everyone knows there's no such thing as raspberry babinka. There's babinka, but there's no raspberry babinka. There's coconut babinka, but never raspberry, ever raspberry. So I was happy and fucking mad at the same time. I remember going home going, yo, Bob is Filipino. And then I was like, why the fuck did he say raspberry? I was so mad. It was a, I was so conflicted. Like I wanted to tell my mom, but not, but not really. Cause my mom would have went, what the fuck is raspberry babinka? She would have been pissed too. So I remember for years that ate, that just ate at my soul. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden fast forward to like, Rob taking me out to dinner for the first time. Like, I remember, like, we're texting back and forth. He's like, hey, man, let me take you out to dinner. I want to take you out to dinner. And I was like, all right, cool. And the whole fucking time, you guys, all I kept saying to myself is, you got to ask him why he said raspberry. <laughs> like, I literally, I could give two shits about what we were going to talk about, what kind of business ideas we were going to engage on. All I kept thinking about was raspberry babinka. And I swear to God, at the end of that dinner, I looked at Rob, I go, hey, man, I got to ask you this right now. Why did you say raspberry babinka? Why did you just say babinka, man? And he had, he had a great answer. And, um, and this is a perfect example of, especially now with the times that we're living in now where we're, we're dealing with like, you know, systemic racism and, and like the, these normalizing things that we don't really see, right? We don't see it because we grew up in it and we just think, oh, that's, 
it's okay to act like that, right? Especially for us, you know, especially people that are, you know, half Asian or Asian descent, right? Here's a guy that was at the top of his game at this point, right? He was getting movie after movie after movie. Adam Sandler is always back in these movies, you know, and, and, and they're crushing. I don't know if you know this, but uh, his movies, he always had his mom in it, you know, rest in peace, she, she passed this year, but, but she all, he always put his mom uh, in like a little scene, like a little cameo. And there was one scene where he just wanted to say something in Tagalog, which is the national language, right? And, and he wanted the writers to say babinka, which was his favorite dessert that his mom would give him, right? And the writers kept getting, going back and forth with him going, they're not gonna know that that's a dessert. And he's like, well, yeah, but he's gonna say your mom made your favorite dessert, babinka. That means it's a dessert. And then the writers kept going back and forth with him like, yeah, but people that aren't Filipino aren't gonna know that that's a dessert. They're just gonna think that's a weird word. And he's like, but you say dessert. If you say dessert, it's a dessert. And they're like, yeah, you said dessert. And now everyone in the audience is like, he didn't say a dessert. He said some weird word. So they kept going back and forth, back and forth until they finally just agreed on, and this is from the writer's room. They go, how about if you just say raspberry? If you say raspberry, then they'll know it's a dessert. And he had to agree to it just to get that word in. He literally was like, all right, fuck it. Say raspberry. I'll say that raspberry. doesn't get him off the hook, though. He could have said coconut. If no, coconut he did say he did say coconut, and they still didn't agree with coconut. It's crazy, right? Crazy. But wow. and, and, but but but, the, but that's what but that's what it was then. Like that was an argument then. Like, hey man, we know this is your 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 dessert from your country, but we're gonna fuck it up real quick so we get it. Yeah, so we get it. It's like, and whereas now that's unheard of. If you, if you do that now, people are like, what the fuck? No, we're not gonna say raspberry just so that you can get it. How about you guys learn what it is? You know what I'm saying? So it, it's a good time that we're living in right now. There's awareness. You know, people are being more educated now. And, and, and I love the times that we're living in. On the flip side, I want to talk about cancel culture because Bill Burr was just on the Grammys. How, how ironic. What is the irony of you saying on the flip side, let's talk about <laughs> cancel culture. You just said flip to a Filipino, the most derogatory <laughs> word you can possibly say. How about you go. say, yeah. how about, how about, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, man. That's funny. I love it. And no, you I didn't mean it like, what you didn't mean it like, you didn't even say it like that. It was what funny. a, what a, what I a mean, catch on that one. Yeah. But you know, there's this whole conversation around cancel culture right now. Yeah. And Bill Burr just did the Grammys and he got crushed because he was Bill Burr and he made all the jokes that he's always going to make. Some comedians are obviously immune to it. Chappelle and Bill Burr, these guys can say whatever they want. And, he, you know, the internet's going to come for them and they probably laugh it off. But how hard as a comedian is it right now? Because part of your job is to push boundaries. How hard is it in terms of how much you have to measure yourself, how far you can push those boundaries? I, I believe in, well, one, freedom of speech, right? We're allowed to say whatever we want in this country. That's the beautiful thing about this country. But yeah. You, you also have to be aware, you know, there's, there are people that uh, you need to respect and understand. And when you say certain things, there's, there, there, there comes responsibility. Be educated and be, uh, be aware of what you're saying and be most importantly, be responsible. You can say something and play it off as a joke. And, and that can only take you so far because, you know, for, back in the day, you would say something that was so racially offensive and just be like, man, I'm joking. And then it was just, okay, 
right? Now that doesn't exist. And, and I'm, and I'm kind of happy it doesn't. And, and here's the thing, man. I'm not standing on a soapbox. I used to be one of those guys. You know, it was that I come from that generation where that was once again socially accepted. I was part of it. It was normalized. And that's not a good thing. It is a good thing and it's not a good thing. It's, uh, you know, you got it. We have to be more aware. And, and uh, I was doing stuff where I was like making fun of us in a way, making fun of, you know, Asians. And, and, and I was just like, now that I look at it, I'm like, God, I was young. I was stupid. And I get it. I can see where that's not, that's not even creatively funny. So yeah, there, there, there comes a lot of responsibility. And, 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 you know, the two guys that you mentioned, I, I mean, come on, man, Chappelle, dude, like, listen to him. He's, it's brilliant. It's, it's not just, he's not doing it just to get you to laugh. He's it's, it's social awareness, man. It's educational. Like, dude, the guy's a fucking genius, bro. Like, you know what I mean? And, and whether you don't agree with him or if you disagree, man, you gotta, you gotta love the, the fact that he's, he's, he's making you think. And, and he's using his voice. And, and I can sit and watch Dave all day, man. Sticks and stones, shit. One of the best ever. And the time that he dropped it in, you know what I mean? At, at, at the, the, the height, uh, the, the climate that the world was in at that point when he dropped that special, unmatched. So I commend him for it. And, 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 uh, and I hope people follow suit. You know what I mean? They're, they're, you have to be educated. You have to be... You have to respect other people, but uh, but don't don't get rid of your freedom. You know, make sure that you say what's on your mind because that's the beautiful thing about this country is our, our ability to, to speak and, and say what we want. So there you go. I hope I said it right again. Speaking of, of Chappelle, you performed at Yellow Springs in the teeth of COVID at his event, basically in a cornfield in Ohio. Yep. How was that experience for you? And did Chappelle roll out the red carpet? How'd that go down? Roll out the red carpet, man. We're talking private jets, bro. <laughs> We're talking private jets, all expense paid. Like there is no promoter. And when I mean promoter, because he doesn't have to promote. All he has to say is, I'm here. And uh, that's where they go. <laughs> what I mean by promoter is like, you know, the promoter has to get you, you know, room and board and food and all that. This dude, I mean... From the minute we got off the the, the jet, by, mind you, the private jet, not not you know, uh, landing literally minutes from his farm, and then getting off the plane, and then going right into an SUV, a, a string of SUVs, uh, and then from the SUVs right to a hotel that's probably two hundred years old, just the most beautiful thing. It's like you're sleeping in a museum, all expense paid, from gift shop to from the food, everything, and then going on stage and just you know, the rapid COVID testing. I mean, the guy was just, everything he did was a class to the sound system, to the, to the cameras that he has. Everything's documented, by the way. He got, he, he, it's another special. If he wants to drop it, he can do it tomorrow. It's, it's, it's so amazing. And, uh, and just the people I shared the stage with, with, it was, it was amazing. Uh, Mo Ammer and uh, Michelle Wolf, Ali Wong, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Donnell Rawlings. Dave, Dave winning two Emmys that night. You know what I mean? I'm on stage and I hear him cheering in the, in the green room. That was the first thing I said. I was like, sounds like he won another Emmy and I'm fucking out here in the cornfield. In Ohio. You know, I should be back there, you assholes. <laughs> That's but, uh, the greatest contrast that Chappelle just lives in Bumblefuck, Ohio somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's the greatest contrast of like imagining where a dude would actually set up shop. Yeah. And, and well, you know, he has a lot of history. You know, his dad taught there. He was a teacher. 
Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of roots, and he's trying to save that town, man. He's literally trying to save that town. He's bought every building, every building in that town he owns. It's. It, I even said they should change it to Dave Chappelle, <laughs> just Chappelle Land or some shit. I don't know. And everyone was traveling from all over the country to be there. It looked like Woodstock, man. It was crazy. Just cars everywhere. This is a town that you can drive through in 30 seconds. It says, welcome to well Yellow Springs. And then like 30 seconds later, it says, thank you for visiting. Like it's that fast. You can walk through it faster than you can drive. It was, it was so small. And, and literally it was bumper to bumper. Every business was thriving and it was all because of Dave. And the way he walks around that town, man, like everyone respects him, you know? No one's running up to him, taking pictures. Uh, people are talking to him like, hey, Dave. And he's like, hey, Susan, how's work? Oh, it's a little busy. Dave's like, are you going to come to the show tonight? Um, I'm going to try. It's a little busy tonight, uh, but I like to. All right, well, I left your tickets if you want to go. All right, bye, Dave. Bye. And I'm in the car with David like, what the fuck just happened? How'd Susan get the invite? How did, yeah, but it's just like, what is this? Are we on, are we on a TV show? You're fucking Dave Chappelle. You're the biggest comedian in the world. Like, people are just walking up to you. And, and that's, that's the beauty of Dave Chappelle. He's, he's, he's a loving man. He's a, he's, a, he's a great father. He's a great husband. And, and, and it shows in that town, man. Like, he loves that town. And they love him, man. It's, 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 it's so cool. It's so cool. I know you're writing your movie now, but do you have a, a starting five of comedies of all time? Yeah, I could do that real quick. Really? Coming to America, uh, Tommy Boy, uh, Happy Madison, Christmas Vacation, and uh, and I'll, I'll you know I, I even like uh, uh, is it the Millers? Meet the Millers or something? Oh, Meet the Millers, man. I'm I'm sorry, bro. I can't put that in the top five, really. You don't, yeah. even, know, you don't even know the title of the movie. It's in your top yeah. five. Yeah, I, I put it there, man. I've watched that thing. I don't know, man. There's something about what I don't know. It was just, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I know, whatever. Sorry. I'm gonna watch it. I don't think I've ever seen it, but good recommendation. I love it, man. I can't believe you Arthur, have, like, Arthur Animal doesn't... House or things of that nature. Like, there's so many classics that are iconic. Yeah. Yeah, I put the Millers up there. Can you say happy? Oh, wait, 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 wait. You know what? I'm also going to say, uh, uh, you know what? I'm also going to say uh, Step Brothers. Uh, so I'll put Step Brothers in there. Honorable hey, mention. You know, hey, no one has to like my five. No one has to like my five. I mean, like Wedding Crashers, Old School. There's so many classics. Yeah, that's not in my top five. Uh, <laughs> come to America. Uh, I also forgot uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Mm. Well, speaking of speaking of Eddie right. Murphy, what do you think about the Eddie Murphy resurgence and now the more mature, older return of Eddie Murphy? I don't know Eddie. Uh, all I know is he's my hero, and to me, uh, there's no one funnier. You could put you could put every single comic that you see to this day, right now, right now, today, put him in the same room with Eddie Murphy, and I and I, I I've never seen it, but I, I guarantee you. No one's gonna be funnier than Eddie Murphy. He will. He's that good. He's not from here. He's an alien. Uh, you ever watch him when he's doing late night, right? When he's sitting at the couch, just his stories are are genius. Just how how he delivers it, how he says it, when he does an impersonation, it's 
the guy's a genius, man. It's it's you can't you can't deny that guy. He's he's incredible, and I can't wait for him to finally get on stage, which I hope he does soon. He's been talking about it now for a year, and obviously COVID has wrecked everybody's plans. But yeah, I'm interested to see because, and you know this as well as anybody, your your material has got to change so much because your perspective as you get older changes. So obviously, we're not going to see raw and delirious Eddie. We're going to probably yeah. see a much more mature father of ten. Yeah. different perspective eddie i'm really curious to see how it looks to see a 60 year old eddie murphy's material you know what's crazy is people always go raw and delirious was just like oh that won't uh won't exist uh it, it, during these times right yeah and that's very true people forgot that he was 21 years old on stage yeah 21 man crushing it like my son is 17 he's four years older than that kid that's still naked in his bed doing Zoom classes. I, I, I want to take a picture of my son right now. He has no shirt on. He has his, he has his blanket wrapped around his head and he's Zoom, he's in, he's in chemistry. His teacher has no idea that my son probably has a heart on right now. You all do at that age. Who doesn't? <laughs> But I, like we seem to forget that the guy was only 21, 25 when he did those specials. Like what? Genius. I'm sorry. He was a kid. Have you heard? Have you heard how these kids talk? But yeah, it, it, it won't exist to this day. Like, yeah, it's, you know, the content, of course, but, but the genius of that guy, man, 21 season pro. Doing two, you know, I went to Raw Live. I went to that concert. I went to it. I was 15 when I went. Here. Did yeah, you know, to. like, and you're watching that, do you have any idea as it's happening that Raw would end up becoming arguably the greatest comedy special ever? And never be matched. Box office smash. I remember lines down the street, because I, I went to it live at the Coliseum in Seattle, 15 years old. I was 14 rows or 15 rows from the stage, dead center, bought the tickets on a telephone because they didn't have the internet back then. Uh, Ticketmaster was just a little... It was like a service that was provided, but you had to go pick up your tickets at a department store at like customer service. Like they didn't even mail it to you. I swear to God, I remember calling in with my mom's voice just so they wouldn't question the fact that a kid was using the credit card. Like, yeah, I like to buy two tickets to the Eddie Murphy show. Uh, I have a Visa card. Will you take that? And they're like, oh yes, ma'am, we'll take it. And that's how I got my, I swear. And, uh, and, and my mom drove me and, uh, and it was the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed, man. It was the best concert. And, and, and that'll never happen again. You'll never see a concert like that. Not, not like that was rock and roll status, man. Seriously. His charisma. It, the, the man single-handedly saved SNL. I mean, it, there's no, there, young Eddie Murphy, there's no one charismatic like that. I think he was 19 too. People don't understand. Like 19, bro, saving a network uh, not not a network like yeah same in a network basically too putting NBC back on the map like that was the thing to watch like people couldn't wait for for the weekend just to watch uh Saturday Night Live like he single-handedly saved it man and and he was 19 when he did it like unbelievable I don't trust my son with a toaster <laughs> you mentioned 17 are you gonna Earl Woods him into comedy I know he's a musician but are you like are you trying to I really, I honestly think my son's going to do it, man. I really do. And I've hinted it. I was on tour and we did, I, I performed in Singapore. It's like three, 3,000, 4,000 people. And my son's walking me up the side of the stage. And, uh, and I literally looked at him and I go, 
you want to do five minutes? And he, for, for like maybe 30 seconds, he was like, thinking. And my heart started pounding. I'm like, wait, is he about to go up? Is he about to go home and do it? And then, and then right at the last day, he goes, I don't know, man. I don't, think, I don't think I know what to say yet. And I was like, I, I remember just seeing him say that. And the way he acted, I, I, I was like, I think it's going to happen. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to open for my son because he's so damn funny, man. Wait a minute. I just realized that's a Sean Kemp jersey behind you. I've been trying to figure out what oh, yeah. that is. What is that signed by Kemp? Yeah, right there. Sean Kemp, baby. That's the greatest forward of all time. He cha- He totally changed. He single-handedly changed that position. And don't you forget it. The rain he, made, he made the power forward the coolest position uh, on the court, man. He was, he was so uh, – I, I mean, he played like a, a guard, like he, the way he would explode, the way he would dribble. He would go the length of the court, the alley-oops from Gary Payton. Like, I'm telling you, man, Sean Kemp don't get the, de- uh, the credit that he deserves. I was going to weed dispensary in, in Seattle, I think. Oh, man, that's awesome. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's go like, I'm you, hanging man. up the Zoom. I'll see you guys another time. I got to roll. <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's plug your book, man. So why'd you write it? Look, I always wanted to have a book and I always wanted to tell my story, man. Like it, it, it's, uh, you know, to me, like I said earlier, like it was normal. Like, like we lived in a, in a, during a time where everything was normalized and people weren't really uh, socially aware yet, right? And I was a part of that, part of the, the 70s and 80s. I, I, I went through a lot, you know, with my mom and dad being a, uh, my dad being white, my mom being Filipino and my mom and dad divorcing and, and me being 11 struggling with my identity, my dad moving out and moving to another state and, and me being raised by this Filipino woman that, you know, doesn't have any friends. You know what I mean? Like I, I always say that I go, there was no Facebook or Instagram when my mom was uh, in, in, in America. She literally had to, when I do that joke on, on at coming, uh, coming in hot, where she walks up to people go Filipino walking up to Mexicans, Filipino, like she was walking up to anything Brown just to get a Filipino friend. And uh, that, that was the reality of the 80s. Like, that was how my mom, like, she just wanted friends. You know what I mean? Like, going to church and then looking around, like, who looks like me? And, oh, I'll go up to them at the end. And, are you Filipino? Filipino? Oh, I am doing. Like, that's how my mom had to, like, gather her little community of friends. And, and I had to witness that, you know, and, and dealing with, like, you know, the racism that we had to deal with and, and you know, telling that story. There, there's a story I, I told in there that, you know, I, I, I didn't know it traumatized me, but it did. Like to this day, I still remember vividly when, when the little little kid pulled his eyes back on my mom on the escalator. And I remember looking at my mom going, what is that? What was that? Like, I didn't know what that was. You know what I mean? Like, why did that kid just do that? Right? And then my mom just patted me on the head going, it's okay, Joseph. He's just trying to be funny. And just accepting it. Where you shouldn't accept something like that. You know what I mean? And and that's the stuff I had to deal with. And, 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 and to, to all the way to, you know, me selling my special to Netflix and, and having to deal with that as well, where, you know, I see a lot of my peers getting these specials, but for some reason, I, it was a tougher sell for me where I literally had to pay for it myself and, and sell it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I just want people to hear the struggle and what it took to get there. You know what I mean? And, and, and to see the behind the scenes, what I had to go through to get to where I am now, you know? So that, that's, that's, that's what's in the book. And, and then of course, you know, I, I touch on my brother, you know, there's a whole chapter dedicated on my brother, which 
you know, I never talk about, like for years I've been wanting to talk about my brother on stage, but it's just like, how do I, how do I make mental health funny? How do I talk about my brother dealing with schizophrenia funny? Cause I still want to be, I still want people to laugh about, it, but I also want people to be aware about it. And the book was the best way to tell my brother's story. We had Neil deGrasse Tyson on, and he had a great story about how when he was in graduate school, he pretty much couldn't pay his bills. So he almost became an exotic dancer to pay his bills. Oh, wow. No joke. So what's that's the- so funny. Yeah, how crazy. What's the worst job you had to take on while you were struggling to try to keep the dream alive? I had to uh, work on it. There's this Marina Del Rey. It's right off of the 405 in the, uh, like right around uh, the 90, the 405. So if you ever come to LA, go to Marina Del Rey. And <laughs> it's a beautiful town, but uh, they have these little party boats that people rent, right? And it just drives around the marina. It doesn't go out into the ocean. It doesn't go anywhere. It's pretty cheesy. Just sits in the marina and drives in circles. And you rent it for like four or five hours and you have a party and it drives in a circle. I was a bus boy on those fucking parties. I, I hated my life. Every weekend, my, my son's one years old. I'm still going to the Laugh Factory every weekend. And I had to go up on stage with mayonnaise and ketchup on my, on my, my, my suit that I had to wear because I didn't have time to change into a jeans. It, I hated that job. I, I remember just sitting on that boat going, can we fucking dock? This party sucks. Like, I got to set at 1030, you guys. Shut the fuck up. I hated it. Hated it, man. And uh, that was one of the worst jobs of my life, man. One of the worst. But it was humble. It was humbling uh, beginnings, man. So that's where Tiffany and I met during that time. Now you're the guy throwing the parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. So, Coy, you were awesome. Thank you so much. Check out Mixed Plate and Easter Sunday. When is that coming out, you know? Woo! Oh, hell yeah. Screenshot that. Look at that. Look at how handsome you look there. Got a look little ballerina. It's like a ballerina pose or something. Oh, my look God. How my mom, look how my mom cut my hair. Look at that. Straight. <laughs> Angle. Yeah, that's a tough one. How much does that retail for? What the fuck, mom? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's everywhere. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's on uh, Amazon, Apple, everywhere, man. It's, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they'll give a discount. But uh, that's... <laughs> Tell them Joe sent you. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. You, you know, you know, Amazon's like 10% off. Yeah. Uh, hey, but Amazon, big shout out to Amazon. They did give me editor's pick, man. So they put me on the front page and uh, I got great reviews on it. And, uh, it was, you know, the audio book is out. I read the audio and I strongly suggest anyone that gets a, a book, do not read the audio. Uh, I learn uh, very quickly that I don't know how to read. <laughs> I don't know how to fucking read my own book. And, uh, and it's also very emotional to read your own story. So it, it took me a couple of weeks to like get through a chapter, man. It was just like, God, this is rough. Like reading it out loud is... It, it, it was pretty tough. So it was a very, it was an emotional roller coaster. this book and I'm, and I'm proud of it. That's how it should be. Thank you, Joe. Joe, Thank you're you. electric as always, man. Thanks for always bringing the A game, dude. I love you guys. All right. Thank Joe, you. you're the man. Great, Great seeing you, brother. Bye. All right, guys, that was our friend, friend of the show, the one and only Mr. Joe Coy. Make sure to go get his new book. It's called Mixed Plate. It is as funny as he just was. And he really is one of the funniest guys in the business. Joe is a perfect example that if you keep grinding, anything is possible. And you nailed it right at the top of this episode, Matt. 
he brought the same energy to our show that he would bring to Howard Stern or to Letterman or to Conan or whatever show he would be on, he brought to us. And you can only appreciate that. And that was wonderful. Yeah, and can't wait to watch that Spielberg movie or that he's making because I feel like his story is is a lot untold in Hollywood and you know he's obviously he's the son of an Air Force dad and then his mom's Filipina so I feel like that kind of story is lends itself to some good on-screen plot wise yeah Joe's absolutely kicking ass and everybody again I want to keep plugging go get his new book mixed plate our next guest is a far departure from Joe Coy because he's a hockey player Seth Jones has established himself as one of the premier faces in the NHL, four-time NHL All-Star, played for Nashville, now is with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Seth is the son of a professional athlete himself, Popeye Jones. I was a big fan of Popeye growing up. First of all, when you have the nickname Popeye, you know you're going to have a million fans like myself. And then Seth's brother also plays in the league, so that's pretty cool. We got to talk to Seth all about his his partnership with Uncle Bud's Hemp and CBD. Just really great guy, Matt. We covered a ton with him. Yeah. And after we had this interview with Uncle Bud's, my dad just got shoulder surgery and I picked him up an Uncle Bud's cream and he hasn't used it yet. I don't think it's come to his come yet, but the way he was a professional athlete was talking about this and like just an ointment that helps him relieve his pains, his cramps, whatever. I was sold on it. And you know, if he uses it, I think my dad can use it. First of all, Matt, you got to always leverage connections. You know, we just spoke with uncle buds, hit him with an email and ask for some free product. That's the money. Hey, that's what you got to do, brother. I know, dude. I know. I thought about it after, but I don't want to seem like a mooch. And, you know, I want to give give to the business because, you know, it seems like a good one and I don't want to mooch like you, you know. I uh, see. I'd be mooching up a store and be like, hey, guys, my father had surgery. My mother had surgery. I had surgery. My eighth cousin had surgery. Can you send me a ton of Uncle Bud's? Yeah, but he was, I mean, he, as a, as a person, he's very like mild mannered. And I don't know, I was really fascinated because like, as a son of a basketball, you see all these people like, you know, Bronny James, Dwayne Wade's kid. It's like they follow their, you know, fathers into their careers. And he did basically the exact opposite of going to hockey, which is, you know, traditionally basketball and hockey don't really jive, especially like growing up because they're, you know, they take on the same seasons and they're fighting for the same crowds. But obviously him and his brother have succeeded in that realm. Yeah. And it was a very fascinating conversation, Matt, because, The NHL, their players, there's such a focus on athletes building their brands. And we're seeing more and more NHL players really striving both on social media and in the TV and production world to build their brands. One of the great examples is P.K. Subban, who at one point dated Lindsey Vonn, but really was able to throw himself out there and formed his own production company, started producing different programs. He's super active on social media. Now we're seeing guys like Connor McDavid and, and Austin Matthews, who's constantly going back and forth with Justin Bieber. The NHL, I think the players really understand right now that, hey, we have to build our brands. We need to be more vocal. And it's a sport that consistently prided itself. And we've heard this from athletes from other sports. It's prided itself on more of a team centric approach more than an eye approach. Like you look at the NBA and it's like, Hey, I'm a brand. I'm Kevin Durant. I'm LeBron James. I'm a brand. And then the team is underneath me. 
the NHL seems to really think team first, but now we're seeing that the players are establishing individual brands for themselves. And Seth really did a great job in encapsulating why that's important, how he's doing it for himself. And I thought that was really fascinating. So, all right, guys, here's NHL four-time All-Star Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman, Mr. Seth Jones. We are thrilled to have on the Endless Hustle series today, Columbus Blue Jackets star defenseman, Seth Jones. Seth, thanks for coming on. Um, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. You've been heating up as of late. Three goals in three games, OT winner in Carolina. What do you attribute that success to? Oh, man. Um, it's an important time of the year, and I definitely want to uh, you know, be the best player I can be for my team and try to lead us into a playoff spot. We're, we're a couple points out still, so... Uh, you know, whatever I can do on the ice to uh, to help that cause and, and help push our team to that next level, uh, uh, I want to be that guy. Let's talk a little bit about your link to Uncle Bud's hemp and CBD. You're not only linked to Uncle Bud's, but you're also linked with figures like Magic Johnson, Jane Fonda, Tony Braxton, who are all ambassadors themselves. How did this come to be and how did you kind of get into the CBD and hemp world? Yeah, so my trainer um, was good friends uh, with someone who uh, who worked with Uncle Bud's Hemp and CBD, and he started, you know, introduced me to it over the summer. Started, you know, putting it on my legs, uh, putting it on my my elbows and and wrists during training sessions, and and I loved it. And then I kind of crossed over into my ice sessions. Um, you know, whether I had a hard day, you know, with my quads and my hamstrings, I would, uh, you know, rub some of the uh, the CBD cream on there. Uh, or use the roll-on cream on my wrist. Sometimes it gets sore with a lot of shooting uh, and stick handling. And, um, you know, I saw a difference uh, and, I, and I loved it. I'm always fascinated. What type of difference? Because is it something where you're super sore and then a day later the soreness is gone? Is it a 30%? Not that I'm trying to like make you a doctor here, but I want to really understand what it does. I understand. Um, well, no. So a lot of times, you know, instead of massages or things like that after skates, uh, you know, your quads are cramping or your quads are, are really sore. I, I do think that you need to do it consistently. Um, it can't just be like, oh, my quads are sore today. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to forget about it for a week. And then everybody's going to be magically better the next morning. Uh, I think it's something that you need to be consistent with. And I found myself being consistent with it. Uh, I have some in my travel bag um, before games, before practices and after practices. So, you know, I think it's everything is, um, is personal toward that person or that athlete. But for me, I, I definitely feel a difference in, in the looseness of my quad, I think, uh, and really just the overall soreness of them, whether it's a day or two after uh, playing. Is it the oil or is it a cream or an ointment? I had it one in a coffee once and it was great. Yeah, so there's all, all types of it. Um, I love the cream. Um, so I have a, a cream I use. Um, I don't have it on me right now, it's at the rink, but I use it every, every time I, I go to the rink. And there's also a roll-on application um, that I use. Uh, it comes in a little red uh, tube. Uh, it's got a, so there's no ointments or, or leftovers, you know, kind of rolling around. And uh, I think it's great. So yeah, I, I love using them. There's no THC in them, which is great. So obviously it's not going to make you high or anything. It's not going to you know, do any of that stuff to you, but uh, I love the product. Let's talk about Columbus a little bit because I've been there for Ohio State games. There ain't nothing like it. The horseshoe is just an experience, but the town has really embraced you guys. Talk to me about what Columbus has done to really embrace the Blue Jackets. You know, I got here in 2016 of, of January. I was traded here from Nashville. And 
Uh, you know, we weren't the greatest team and, you know, we've gotten better and better over those last five years. And obviously, you know, the better your team is, the better, you know, your fan turnout will be, the more recognized you'll be, you know, around town, whether it's restaurants or, um, you know, you're shopping uh, or walking around during the day downtown. Um, obviously, Ohio State, I think, is always going to be number one in everyone's hearts here, especially Ohio State football. Uh, you just can't get away from it. But I think we're right there. I, I, I love, uh, you know, the attendance we get every game here. Uh, we always, you know, get about 18, 18 and a half thousand a game. Um, and our fans make it exciting for us. And, and I love playing here. I love playing in front of these, uh, you know, these, uh, these fans here. Having not experienced the hockey environment in Columbus, how would you compare it against Smashville? I think it's great. I think there's two different uh, buildings. You know, Nashville does a great job of, uh, you know, in arena announcement. You know, now they have, you know, really they've evolved over the years to make it a really, really fun experience for the fans there in Nashville. You know, they have chance for the goalie when they let in, you know, you suck, you suck, whoever the goalie is after a goal goes in, they score. And um, so they've done great things. I think uh, Columbus has done great things. We have, you know, a couple songs that uh, we play every game that the fans get into uh, in the second and third periods. I would play the hockey song in the third period. So um, there are certain things, and I, I think it's more about building tradition as well. You know, you know, um, you know the cannon's going to go off when you come uh, to Columbus. It's going to scare you the first time. The little things like that that make the game exciting here. Obviously, you know, your dad, Popeye Jones, longtime NBA player. I know you started hockey early, but was taking up hockey an act of defiance against your dad? Because when I was growing up, the hockey and basketball teams like didn't really get along because we were all fighting for like the same classmates to come to our games. Did that play into it at all? <laughs> uh, not really. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Colorado, as, as you guys probably know, and uh, my dad never pushed me into, um, into basketball. I never pushed my younger brother or older brother into it. Kind of let us just do our thing. We ended up, all three of us ended up getting into hockey at the same time. And it kind of just took off from there. No one, I think my older brother and my younger brother played basketball for about a year in middle school, um, which is the only organized ball that they played. Uh, I never played for an organized team, uh, but I love it. I, I love going to play pickup ball in the summer, um, going to shoot hoops, you know, in the park, whatever it is. Basketball is probably my favorite sport to watch on TV outside hockey. Um, so I, I'm heavily involved in, in, in basketball still. How are you at hoops? You're 6'4". Can you throw it down? Uh, I can. I can dunk. I can dunk. It took me a while, but I can definitely dunk now. I'm not, not too bad. You know, I, me and my brothers always used to play, um, you know, like a lifetime fitness or an alley fitness in the summer. And uh, I got pretty heated sometimes. You know, no one wants to give up easy buckets. Uh, some hard fouls going around every now and then. Some pushing and shoving, but you know, that's what brothers do at the end of the day. I got two brothers too. I know exactly how that is. We grew up playing basketball too. And there was some, there were some bloody noses, believe me. Yep. Oh yeah. To have your brother in the league, this is actually a two part question. Number one, we're seeing diversity in the NHL and that's fantastic between you, PK, so many others and your brother. That's gotta be really cool to see the, the, the NHL just from a diversity standpoint, expanding but then also, how cool is it to just have your brother in the league be, and be able to share those experiences with them? Yeah, answer your first question. I think the NHL is definitely putting, you know, uh, more emphasis on the diversity part of our league. Uh, obviously, it's no secret. It's been white driven for a long time. And, you know, you see not just African-Americans, but um, you know, other ethnicities in our in our league now, in our sport. And uh, you see a lot in the junior leagues coming up as well. 
Uh, so, you know, there's going to be a, a vast majority of those coming into the league. And, you know, it's great. You know, I'm, a, I'm the hockeyist for everyone ambassador for, for Columbus for the past few years now. And, um, and I get to talk to kids, you know, not with this year. It's, it's unfortunate because of COVID. We don't get, you know, people down and after the games or, you know, after practices. But before I used to get, you know, every other game, you know, underprivileged kids were coming in, was talking to them, giving them a stick, a jersey, getting to know these kids on a nightly basis and, you know, trying to make, let them fall in love with the game the same way I did. So uh, that was very special to me and it still is. It's very important. And then my brother uh, on that note, he, you know, he's been in the league for four years now and I still haven't played against him. It's crazy. I think he was scratched the first year and then uh, last year when we went to Edmonton. Um, I was hurt, so I didn't get to go on that trip. Uh, and play against him. So I'm still waiting to play against him, still waiting to give him the business a little bit uh, out there on the ice. And um, I know I know I'm looking forward to that. We have a lot of NBA and NFL players on here who when asked about the NHL, they have such respect for like the coordination and the athleticism acquired of you guys. A lot of people think hockey has the world's best athletes. Do you believe this to be true? Uh, I do. I think it's a different type of athleticism. You know, it's not just... Um, about, you know, running fast or jumping the highest. Um, I think it's very, you know, specific techniques and specific skills. You know, skating is not a skill that everyone can do. You know, stick handling is not a skill that everyone, you know, off the street can do. So, you know, you could say it's God-given. You can also say it's it's hard work and dedication uh, from a very young age. And um, seeing, you know, that sport forward and, and that uh, love for the game, just like a football player or, um, you know, a basketball player who shoots threes, you know, over 40% a year. Um, that dedication is, is, uh, is something that puts us over the top. Is there camaraderie between the Buckeyes football team and the Blue Jackets? Do you got, because it's a small town Columbus compared to I'm in New York, Matt's in Boston, but are you guys running into each other in non-COVID times around town? Is there friendships? What is that all like in Columbus? Uh, not really, uh, believe it or not. We don't, um, we don't see ourselves, I guess, getting on campus too much. I'm 26 now. So, you know, when I got here, to, when I got to Columbus, I was kind of in that scene a little bit more and I was 21 years old. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of out of that now. And, um, you know, I'm sure those, you know, it's a, it's a great, great town, great campus that they have. Uh, it's big, it's lively. Uh, there's people always walking around, you know, uh, students walking around from, from class to class and so I know I don't I don't see them too much around town to be honest no Frank the Tank moments for you Seth Jones <laughs> yeah no no Frank the Tank moments for me it's amazing because I'm I'm from Boston we're obviously like a pro sports town so to hear you mm -hmm. say like the you know Ohio is the you know Ohio University or University of Ohio is the top dog there it's just it's unbelievable to me when you're like obviously a professional team it's 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 wild it is crazy. It's crazy. We have, um, I think it's double A or triple A baseball here, uh, Huntington Park, right across the street from Nationwide Arena. And that's really, the, and we have the Columbus crew, sorry, the MLS team uh, who just won um, uh, the MLS Cup this past year. So they're here. They're getting a whole new stadium um, built. I believe the Cleveland Browns owner bought them a year or two ago. So they're getting a whole new 20,000 square foot stadium downtown here. Uh, but then, you know, most of our sports teams are in, in Cleveland. You know, you have the Cavs, the Indians and the Browns there um, in Cleveland. So that's kind of our, you know, where all our major sports teams are. What was it like being named an all-star? Oh, for the first time, it was uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, I feel like, you know, I've, I've been four times now and, and that excitement still gets to me, you know, to be in, in, in that game in that class with, 
with some of the greatest players um, our league's seen. You know, you have the new and upcoming guys like, you know, McDavid and McKinnon, uh, Drazdol, some of these guys. And then you have, you know, the guys who are already, already Hall of Famers that are still playing in our league, like Crosby and Ovechkin and Patrick Kane. Um, so to be in a game against and, and with all these players is uh, absolutely unbelievable. Every year, you know, the families come. Uh, my mom makes that trip every year. Sometimes my grandma, my grandma's been to two of them, I believe. So uh, that's that's something that is uh, is once in a lifetime kind of opportunity every year. And uh, I hope I play well enough in the future every season to keep going. When you look at the expansion of the NHL right now, obviously you guys are coming into Seattle, one of the best sports towns in the country. How exciting is it to see Seattle getting a team, but also the expansion of the league overall? Yeah, it's been it's been great. I think, um, especially after Vegas came in a few years back, uh, and the success they had, uh, you know, with that owner and that GM and those players, um, they really banded together, and you know, they went to the Cup Finals that first year. So, you know, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of pressure on Seattle to to come in and be a good hockey team and uh, and compete. But I think it's great that we're expanding our league to different cities. Um, I'm not sure what the NHL is thinking next about expansion or, or where. Um, I hear, you know, Carolina um, could be going somewhere in the future, maybe to Houston or something, but that's all kind of still in the works. Um, but it's great. You know, our league is very Canadian market driven. Uh, our biggest TV deal is in Canada with Rogers and Sportsnet and TSN. Um, so we just signed that deal with ESPN, which is awesome for us, that new seven year deal. Uh, which is going to be huge to get us back on ESPN after we've been, I think it's been about 15 years since we've been off ESPN. So hopefully that'll drive our league even, even higher. But here's the million dollar question. Do you get a free Disney plus subscription now? <laughs> I know I need, I need to talk to the, to the PA about that. Uh, getting us subscriptions for free for sure. Well, the mighty ducks game changers is just out on Disney plus with coach Bombay and the gang. Are you, uh, are you, does that interest you at all? Yeah, it would. It would. Yeah. Um, that was a, a, it's an all-time classic hockey movie right there that I think every, every hockey player would be interested in seeing. Yeah, I'll send you my password. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm waiting for it. Hey, do you see the guy's condo behind you? I don't think he needs your yeah. password. <laughs> you actually mentioned Connor and Austin. Those guys are doing such an incredible job of building their brands. I mean, it mm -hmm. feels like every time I see a picture of Austin, Bieber's right next to him. So that's always great. Right now, to see NHL players, because it always felt like the NHL players were kind of more team-oriented versus let me build my individual brand like the NBA guys do. But now you're seeing guys like you, Austin, all the guys I named, building a brand. How important is that to you to be able to build your personal brand? Uh, it's very important. Um, I think, like you said, NHL players are a little late to the party because um, they haven't put themselves you know, before – um, you know, league um, sponsorships and things like that. But now, especially with the uh, evolution of social media, the voices that guys have, uh, we are a little late to it. Uh, but I think we're getting there. You're starting to see a lot more personalities on social media coming out from the NHL. Uh, PK's kind of led that charge, I think. I think he's really opened guys' eyes up to what can be done if you put the work in on social media and you do the little things. Um, I mean, you see PK with The Rock and um, you know, on movie sets and things like this, that, um, that, that's just awesome. It's awesome to see that. Um, but I think Austin has done a great job as well. You know, he kind of had the Bieber thing fall in his lap with the Toronto connection. And um, it's great that he's taking advantage of that. Uh, I think we need that to get our names out there. And that's ultimately going to help grow our league. 
we need a review. What do you think of Bieber's new song that he dedicated to the Maple Leafs? I honestly haven't heard it. I haven't really? heard it. I know. I got to listen to it. Though. I heard it's it's not bad. I haven't heard it either, Arthur. Can you sing just one verse for us? <laughs> I'm 42 years I old. I would love guys. nothing more. I think I know one verse of a Bieber song. Dude, every time I go in my car and the radio's on, it's either Bieber or Ariana Grande or Selena Gomez. Just I can mm-hmm. you know, on repeat. set my watch to it. I will say I do have never say never in my eye in, in my phone that and that bangs out at the gym sometimes. And that's, that's got the James 16 year Smith. old Bieber right there. Right, right. That's got like yeah. Gene Smith rapping at eight years old. The hair like this. <laughs> wow, Arthur. That's really old school. God. <laughs> That's like, that's like, I never want to co-host with you ever again. (laughs) Seth, uh, I want to ask you about kind of the international approach here. Hockey is one of the most competitive sports internationally, Canada, Finland, Sweden, obviously. Is there a distinguishable style of play for each country? And how is the approach to the game kind of different based on geographics? I think there is a, um, a different approach to the game for each country. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but, um, you know, you could have, you know, you see, I was talking about some of the European countries, I guess. Um, Sweden is definitely more of a puck control team. So they're not going to, you know, dump the puck in every shift. They're always going to bring it back. They're going to try to create offensively and not just give it back to you. Um, they're going to have, you know, their passing is going to be sharp. Uh, their power players are going to be, are going to be good. I think uh, you look at Russia, I think uh, you're just going to have a lot of skill up front for sure. They're going to try to outskill you and they're going to put the puck in the net, you know, and they're, they're going to be good at it. Um, you got a team like Finland is going to be a straight ahead, hardworking team. Uh, Canada is kind of going to be a mix of everything. You know, I think that's why they're so successful in a lot because they have the hardworking lines and they have the skill lines, they have the goalies, they have the defensemen. Uh, they've kind of dominated international play for a while now. Um, and then us, I think we're right there as well. I think we play a hard straight game. Um, but then you have guys like Patty Kane that uh, can make plays and, and, you know, be some of the most skilled player in the, in, in the world. So I'm uh, very excited about uh, international play. Hopefully uh, we all, you know, we signed that deal with the NHL to play in the 2022 Olympics, Winter Olympics. And hopefully I'm a part of that. That's, that's definitely a goal of mine to, to play there. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. You think Ovi has got a shot? You think he's got a shot to overtake Wayne? Oof. I would love to see it. I would really love to see it. I, I, what's he back? He's back about 160, I think now, something in that area. Yeah, what is that? Five more years of, of 30 plus. It's going to be tough, I will say. Uh, but if anyone can do it, it's him. I mean, his shot is just lethal. Uh, and he can just stand there and shoot it too. Even three years from now, he's just going to stand on the power play and get past it and shoot it. Um, so I don't think that skill is ever going to leave him. But uh, I, I would love to see it. I think he's the greatest goal scorer, you know, I've ever seen in my mind. Obviously, I didn't get to see Wayne and, and up close and personal like I do Ovi. But it, it's just it's amazing to watch uh, how much he scores. I also love that he's like breeding his son to become the next Ovi. All the videos. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, isn't it enough that you were dominant? Like now you're going to make this kid the next Ovi? Really? I know. His kid's going to come in and score a thousand goals probably in the league. <laughs> you're going to break his dad's record. How cool would that yeah, be? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's amazing that you could take all of Gretzky's goals away. He's still be the leading point scorer in the NHL history. I mean, that's just amazing to me. It wasn't even a strong suit and, and he's number one all time. So we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what Ovi can do in the next few years. Wow.
Seth, the NF the NHL is known for some of the uh, prettiest uniforms in pro sports. Blue Jackets aside, who do you think the top three uniforms in the league are? Top three uniforms. Uh, I love the Blackhawks uniforms. I think they're just all time class. You know, that's kind of the original six. I love, I mean, Boston's uniforms are great. Uh, Detroit was my favorite team growing up watching the play. I like their jerseys. Let's see. I like Vegas's jerseys. I will say I really do uh, like Vegas's jerseys. I like the reverse retros this year that every team's doing as well. It's kind of a cool new dimension that, that we're seeing. We always like to ask the people on the show around their first purchase when they signed their first contract, what was your first grandiose purchase that you made? My first purchase when I got my, uh, when I signed my rookie contract, uh, I got you know, a little signing bonus and I ended up getting a, a new car. Uh, I got a 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee SRT. So kind of like the souped up version of the Grand Cherokee. Uh, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, but that was my first, first big purchase. What are you driving now? What have you upgraded to? <laughs> uh, I'm driving a uh, G-Wagon, Mercedes G63. Yeah. Seth, I, I love it. Nissan Rogue. I'll swap straight up. <laughs> you, straight up. You gotta love the evolution. He went from the Jeep to the G-Wagon. <laughs> well, what is that? Eight years later. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when you make the all-star team four times? I want to ask you about hockey movies because there have been so many great ones. Obviously, Matt brought up Mighty Ducks earlier. If you were to do a Mount Rushmore of hockey movies. What's your Mount Rushmore? I got to say Slapshot, uh, Miracle. I mean, Mighty Ducks got to be in there. I don't know. what. I, I, give, me, give, give me a couple options for a fourth one. I'm trying to think right now. You know what? You named the three best ones. I know. That's the three best ones. And I feel like that's every hockey player's three best ones. Youngblood, Rob Lowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Or what's the one with uh, The Rock? Wasn't The Rock in one? No, no, that was that was a football. That was like Gridiron Gang. Oh no, not Gridiron Gang. I swear he did a hockey movie. Oh my god, how cool! We got to get the Rock. What do you? How do you think the Rock would do on the ice? By the way, people don't realize until you get out there how hard what you guys do is. I'm sure PK's seen him out there. Um, I he would be a beast. I wouldn't want to go get the puck in the corner with him and battle it out. Let's put it that way. Seth, on this podcast, our mission is to figure out how athletes at the top of their profession to continue to elevate. You have plenty of good years left. How do you continue to evolve your mindset to ensure you maximize your potential? I think that I can't, you know, in any athlete, and I'm kind of in the middle of my career right now where, um, you know, I can go either way. And I, I want to, you know, not get comfortable, I think, with, you know, the position I'm in. I want to, uh, you know, be the best defenseman in the league. Uh, I think that, I've taken strides to, you know, be toward the top, but uh, I want to be, you know, known as that guy. And, you know, I want to be a captain in this league at some point. So I have quite a few goals that I want to do, but, you know, be a little bit better offensively, get a little bigger and stronger every year, a little smarter. And, you know, obviously the more games you play, the more you know, experienced you'll become. And, you know, these things just become second nature to me uh, every day. So uh, that's really, you know, those are really my top two goals right now. And, um, I'm doing everything I can to pursue them and make them happen. You sold me on Uncle Bud's Hemp, man. So that's pretty cool. I'm definitely going to try it. And it's UncleBudHemp.com. That's where everybody can find this. It is. And congrats on everything, man. You've been a, you're a fantastic role model. Everything the NHL is doing right now, you're one of the faces of it. And you're doing a great job and continued success, man. Make it a five-time All-Star. Yes. On our way. On our way. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Seth. Thanks for joining, man. 
Tell your dad I say hey, will you? I will. I will. All right, folks, that was Seth Jones. Matt, on our 50th episode, it, would I venture to say that this was actually our first NHL player? No, we had we had our first episode, we had Sean Avery. In our 50th, we bookended it with Seth Jones. You are right. Holy wow. cow. Well, our first current NHL player, because Sean is a retired NHL. You know, it's so funny. I don't even see Sean Avery as an NHL player anymore. I feel like he's more personality than he is an NHL player. So I'm actually going to go with Seth Jones is our first NHL player. Yeah. <laughs> to meanwhile, Sean Avery's going to like come <laughs> off the top rope yeah. and throw an elbow at me. After yeah, I hope he's not listening. Cause I don't know if he'd take too kindly. Yeah. He'd be like asshole. I fucking was an NHL player. So shut the fuck up. No, Sean, don't beat the shit out of me. I just dropped like 18 curses in 12 seconds there. Seth, thanks for a fantastic interview. Everybody, make sure to check out Uncle Bud's Hemp and CBD. I know, Matt, you obviously talked about ordering this for your father. I'm going to actually probably mooch a little bit because at my advanced age and with as much as I'm working out getting ready for the summer, this is the type of stuff I need. So I'm going to probably do a little mooch email and ask them to send me some product. Better that than, you know, getting on a prescription and taking pills or something. You know, you can you can just clear the with the ointment or whatever. They have a huge selection. So I highly suggest trying that out first. Oh, thanks for caring about me, Matt. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for another fantastic episode of Endless Hustle. Matt, let's hit him with the plugs. All right. Subscribe to Endless Hustle wherever you podcast. Please do that. Rate and subscribe if you're feeling generous. Watch episodes on Bro Bible's YouTube channel. Go to BroBible.com because we're having all of these in editorial form. Um, you can follow Bro Bible on social media at Bro Bible. That's both on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Endless Hustle on Instagram and Twitter at Endless Double Underscore Hustle on Twitter and at Endless Hustle Pod on Instagram. You can follow my personal account at Mr. Cohan, K-E-L-H-A-N. And you can follow my buddy Arthur as well. I'm at Arthur Cade on Twitter, at it's me, Arthur Cade on Instagram. Happy 50th to Endless Hustle again. Hopefully we have another 50,000 in store for you guys. Thanks for always supporting. And we'll be back Tuesday with another fantastic episode. See you then. Thanks, guys.